Hi, this is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7. Today we're going to talk about something that's really near and dear to my heart, and I think it's near to yours too, and that is what's happening to the detainees from January the 6th. I'll be interviewing two of them shortly, and one story is actually brings some encouragement, the other not so much. I hope you'll stay tuned. I want to thank Preborn for making this possible. We could not do this show without their sponsorship and without your help. Uh, would you like to know what's happened this year just from January to June? We have together saved 28,845 babies. <laughs> we have saved, could I repeat that? 28,845 babies. We have provided ultrasound scans to 48,993 moms. So you can see by that stat right there, over half of them had decided to keep their babies. And that's the point. I tell you that every time I talk about preborn. When the moms see their babies, they cannot bear to go through with the abortion. It really is a miracle. It's a wonderful way to save lives. If you have not given yet to preborn or donated to their ongoing work, you can do that at preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Also, you know you can call us at 662-821-2040. As you listen today, you might want to call us. We've been getting lots of phone calls. We're going to be using some of them in a show soon. 662-821-2040. Just listen to the prompts and leave the very best message that you want to send to this show. You can write us at Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy. At AFR.net, you can listen to the show on all the podcast platforms. AFR.net is our home base. You can find us at Sandy Rios 24-7, and you can certainly listen easily at SandyRios.com. Okay, I think I got it all in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Tonight, request denied. That's the ruling from a federal judge to former President Trump seeking to delay the start of his federal election interference trial until after the 2024 election. Instead, Judge Tanya Chutkin has set a start date of March 4th. Prosecutors had requested a January start date, but Trump attorneys had pushed for a 2026 start, saying they needed time to prepare. But Judge Chutkin said Mr. Trump, like any defendant, will have to make the trial date work regardless of his schedule. Today, Mr. Trump blasted it as an attempt to undermine his presidential campaign, calling it election interference. 
It's yet another collision between the Republican frontrunner's legal calendar and the height of campaign season. That March 4th start date, just one day before Super Tuesday. Three weeks later, the start of Mr. Trump's trial in Manhattan, where a DA is accusing him of concealing hush money payments to a porn star. He's pleaded not guilty. Then on May 20th, the special counsel's case on classified documents. Mr. Trump has also pleaded not guilty. Not yet on the calendar, the election interference case in Fulton County, Georgia. All right, Sandy Rios with you. That's an NBC report, and really the nut of that, although there's a lot to say about it, and we will talk about uh, what's happening to President Trump. If not today, we will talk about it soon. Uh, But the nut of that was uh, the mention of Judge Tanya Chutkin, who is the federal district court judge in the District of Columbia. She's one of them. And she is, um, has, she's an Obama appointee, 2014. She is notorious, uh, literally, for the way she has treated prisoners or defendants in the January 6 cases. Uh, she's given maximum sentences. Uh, she's actually been uh, corrected in other courts. Uh, she is, uh, she's been very clear in her private writings that she can't stand Donald Trump. I th- it's a very, it's a very, um, Unfair, as always. Unfair is just too light a word. Uh, but it's a tragic situation. It's a frustrating, unjust, really wicked uh, treatment of so many people. We've talked about January 6th so much and the detainees and the prisoners. They're still there. They're still there. And the Justice Department under Merrick Garland is now arresting more people in order to punish them. Uh, because it really is truly, as President said many, many times during his campaigning, they're not coming after me. They're coming after you. They're coming after you. And that's exactly what's happening. It's a characterization of people who love the country, love the Constitution, are willing to fight to preserve their country uh, as insurrectionists. It's the whole ball of wax. You know that by now, I'm sure. Well, today I want to talk to you. I want to talk with two January 6th uh, detainees. One has just been released from jail. And the other is facing, actually, charges in front of this judge, Tanya Chutkin. Uh, First, let me just say, we're going to talk about the good news, okay? Can we do that? You may remember that Daniel Goodwin uh, is a young man who spent, I think, less than a minute or less than two minutes inside the Capitol. Uh, There's video, video, full video of him entering the Capitol and of the, the amount of time we know for sure how much time he spent in there. He's a young journalist. At the time, he was trying to, you know, do what everyone else was doing on that day. And he ended up uh, being sentenced to jail. He was uh, house ar- under house arrest for probably nearly two years. Uh, he has, um, the, when last we spoke about him, he was getting ready to go to jail. But now he has been released, and Daniel Goodwin joins us today to discuss it. Daniel, congratulations for finally being through with that part of it, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks so much for your support, and thanks for having me on. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, would we say jail or prison? Because I don't really know. That's a great question. Um, we've been saying prison for this one and jail for when I was in pretrial. Okay. All right. So how long were you there? So my sentence was 60 days. I had 21 in jail and then 39 for prison, except for the last two days, I think they call public days, were... Uh, on a weekend. They don't like to release on a weekend, so they let me out on the Friday instead of Sunday. Okay. So you've been, how long now, I'm sure you have a count in your head, how long have you been going through this ordeal? I, I mean, I, I could count it myself. It's since January 6th. 
Uh, but w- w- how much time are we talking here from, from your life? Um, well, yeah. So it's obviously it's about two and a half years um, since, you know, January 6th. And uh, when they actually came to arrest me uh, was in January. So, um, you know. Yeah, I was since right after January under the 6th. House they arrest. Came, yeah. Yeah, yeah, staying under in house arrest for about a year. And it's, uh, I have to say, we we have discussed this before. Your mother, Marie, is, uh, has been a longtime listener of my of the morning show, and I know because I've got she we become friends that it's been it's been very hard. You have a close family, uh, and it's even though you have didn't actually go into jail to be con- confined, the legal costs, all of it, it was it's been quite an ordeal for your family, and it's put you on like a watch list for flying, even your whole family. It's just hard. It's it's. Oh, well, you should tell me. Uh, you should tell me. What what, what are your restrictions? Well, you don't even, yeah, you don't even know if you're on that list for um, the airplanes. If you go, you buy a ticket, you show up at the airport, and then when you're about to, to get on the airplane, they'll tell you that you can't, and then they won't tell you why. So we didn't even try because we just know that's been happening to the majority of J6ers and also their, their family or friends who didn't even go. Family and friends, wow, uh, that, uh, yeah. So, uh, and Daniel, one other thing we have not. There's a lot to say, but there's just one thing I want to make sure that I do include, and that is that when you were sentenced, you actually uh, had a, a restriction on your computer. As since you're out, you have some sort of a surveillance of your computer. Can you explain that? No, I cannot explain that, and that is uh, something that we appealed. So. I'm not really going to talk about it, but we'll see uh, what happens with that. Okay, well, I'm going to read. I'm going to read. This is from uh, your uh, condition of release. It says something to the effect that you must allow the probation officer to conduct initial and periodic unannounced searches of any computers. I'm skipping a little bit, and it goes uh, to make sure no prohibited data is uh, in your computer. Uh, they're going to be checking uh, on this constantly. And I, I don't know if they're doing this to other detainees, but that's really important uh, for us to know, and I'm glad you're appealing that part of the ruling. In a minute, I'm going to introduce our next guest, our next detainee, with his own story. But before I do that, I want to let you know that we could not do this. We could not do this without the sponsorship of an organization known as Christian Health Ministries. Christian Health Ministries is one of the earliest uh, sharing organizations for Christians. They've been around for 40 years. They're in all 50 states, and they're overseas as well. Uh, and they are uh, their reputation is really a fine one. You've probably been seeing them advertise on Fox News lately. Uh, they are growing in their reach. They are already handling over $8 billion in medical bills, so they've been in a business for a long time. And the good thing about uh, health sharing like this through Christian Health Ministries is that you can choose your own doctor, uh, you can choose your own specialist. You don't have to just go in their network. You're not restricted. And I think that's huge. If you are thinking about making a switch or if you're wondering if you should compare prices because of the high cost of health care, could I just say Christian Health Ministries is a great place to check. And also they do sponsor the show. So that tells you something about them, I hope, uh, to, to, to uh, agree to sponsor the things that we talk about. You just go to chministries.org, chministries.org, and make sure that you tell them that Sandy Rios sent you. 
Now I'm going to uh, introduce our second guest, who is Stacy Hager. Stacy's in a very different situation because he hasn't been sent. I don't think Stacy, have you been sentenced yet? I've been sentenced, and uh, um, I'm about to uh, reprimand or surrender, or whatever you want to call it. What have you been sentenced to, Stacy? What what period of time? I got seven months for the same four misdemeanors. Everyone, most everybody else got uh, charged with. Judge Chutkin was, he did me pretty righteous, though. The, um, the prosecution was acting for a year, and she only gave me seven months. Okay. Well, good. I mean, I'm. you know what? I'm happy to know that. I'm glad to know that. So she does have some sort of a conscience, at least she's shown it in your case, although that's still disgraceful. Yeah, so Stacy, A little compassion, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, Stacy, tell us, uh, on January the 6th of uh, that fateful year, 2020, What can you tell us about yourself, where you're from and what you were doing? I mean, for work and what your life circumstances were. I'm I'm 60 years old now, and I'm like Daniel. I'm from Texas. Um, I believe there was a whole lot of us there carrying the Texas flag that day. The reason why I went was because... I saw the evidence. It was it was plain for um, there is there's just so much uh, evidence of election malfeasance, and I saw that stuff and I saw it on TV just like everyone else did. And whenever they tell me I didn't see what I saw happening in Georgia at the convention center, you didn't actually see that. All the those stacks of ballots going through that machine all those times. Yeah, over and over, you know, and you didn't see those suitcases and coats of, of uh, ballots coming out from under tables and the the videos and, and all the testimony of the truck drivers driving truckloads of ballots out of uh, New York down to Pennsylvania and every other state that had problems, Georgia. I remember him saying uh, uh, Arizona was one, and you know, Michigan. It's just, it's just yeah. crazy. I saw, I saw mountains of evidence. The people who showed up in D.C., they showed up because they love this country. They believe that their votes are important, and uh, irregardless of what the MSN says. Tell us what you experienced. You can't tell us everything, but in general, Stacy, you know, we hear a lot of news, we watch a lot of videos, uh, and you get a mindset, but I really want to know if you can be just... Re- I remember one of my favorite interviews was January 7th. I had a good friend uh, who's a national security expert who was there and described to me what was happening when it was fresh, you know? And now we've heard a lot of stuff and seen a lot of stuff, but can you go back in time and remember what it was like when you had no knowledge of what was going to be coming uh, to you and to others. What was it like on that day from your perspective? On January 1st, I had a dream uh, in the early morning hours, and uh, it, was, it was a dream like uh, nobody, none that I've ever had before. It was um, bright colors, uh, the, the warmest love you've ever felt, and... Uh, I believe it was my higher power, and he told me um, to go witness, and I I went. 
uh, you couldn't stop me from going, actually. And when I got there, um, it was it was just unbelievable being around a million people feeling the exact same way I felt. I mean, every race, creed, color, religion, uh, sex, everything, ages from newborn all the way to uh, you know the the elder elderliest of the elderly mm-hmm. in wheelchairs and walkers. It was a beautiful thing. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever been a part of as far as patriotic. We were all there for the same reason. Oh, the Tea Party had a rally in uh, D.C. When, right after Obamacare was passed, or maybe before it was passed. I'm sorry, I'm getting my, my situations muddled. I think it was after it was passed. And uh, my husband and I were there for that rally, and I will never forget. I mean, there were millions and millions of people from all over. Nobody expected that, uh, and it was it was just. Made, I lived in D.C. for a number of years and worked there, so it's very familiar with me and to me in a different way. But this was different. But to have people coming from all over the country doing the same thing you're talking about. It was thrilling. People drove all night long just to get there, and many of them drove back that same night because they uh, didn't have the resources uh, to, you know, to stay in a hotel, uh, those expensive hotels there. So it was, it was beautiful. I know exactly what you're describing, and others have said the same to me. So what exactly did you do? I mean, where, where did you go, and what did you do? And you can't tell me everything. Just give me the highlights. All we wanted to do was go to the rally, and showed support for fair, free elections, and I showed Donald Trump our, our support. I didn't think we'd, I didn't really think I'd ever get to see him in another uh, another rally, and I haven't seen him. I haven't ever been to one, so that was my last chance. Uh, what did you do while you were there? You went to the mm-hmm. rally with President Trump, and then you obviously went mm-hmm. to the Capitol. Did you go inside? What did you do? Well, uh, yeah, we waited. We. Um, even though we had heard this speech before, we we uh, waited until President Trump got finished, and then we took uh, instead of going down Pennsylvania Avenue and getting behind a whole bunch of people, we just took Independence straight to the Capitol. So we beat the crowd. I guess we beat Alex Jones probably by about twenty minutes or so. I don't really know for sure. Um, and when we got there, um, there was. 250,000 people at least on the lawn on the west side. And no telling how many people were on the other sides. Um, so we had to make our way up to the front where people were calling patriots to the front with bullhorns at probably every 20 foot. There was a different person with a bullhorn uh, calling the crowd up to the front. They were trying to pack us in up there. Yeah, I started to say, I don't um, think we've ever... I think that that's actually... My reco- recollection of that, uh, Stacey, is that, that we don't know who that was and that that was actually causing things to jam up and that that was part... Look, this is a speculation on my part. It's speculation on the part of those that were there that that was, that was creating a tremendous amount of problem because then people jammed in and couldn't even go back if they wanted to. Uh, couldn't go backwards. That's what caused yeah, the jamming yeah. up in the in the tunnel and other places. What do you think? Uh, what I believe is Lovett told 
Sharar, whatever, of Berkeley, President Antifa. Uh, she was on a bullhorn underneath the scaffolding on the north side. And I have her on a videotape telling people whose house, you know, uh, come on in, say hello to Michael Pence, and some other words. It's all on tape. And um, she even has a bodyguard less than five foot from her. And I've never you know, heard this before. I've never heard this before. People are not patriots because you see their faces. They're facing the crowd. All the patriots are, everyone there for fair free elections is going the same direction. They're being hurt upstairs into the courtyards and stuff. And these people are calling them on. Did you go inside the Capitol? Yes, ma'am, I did. Um, I was standing on the top row of the bleachers on the west side of the, of the, the inauguration bleachers. I was on the top row waving my Texas flag um, just after the police shot the tear gas into the police. Yep. And the crowd moved forward. I was standing on the top row, and I heard the policemen open the Upper West Stairs doors because they it had a fire alarm on it. And as soon as he opened it, you heard it. I was only 30 foot away from it. And I watched him open the door, draw attention to it being open. Uh, there were no people on the sidewalk, hardly, and absolutely nobody, no people on the stairs even approaching that door. No one. He stood there, held the door open, drew attention to the door being open, and when nobody was coming, he got tired of holding it, so he stuck a box there and tried to prop it open. And Stacy, this was a policeman? Yes, yes ma'am. All right, He's so you... a black, uh, black leather jacket and navy pants. Yeah. Okay, so you went inside. Yeah, I did follow him in. As soon as I crossed the threshold, uh, I hear him, which he's only like five, six, seven feet in front of me. Uh, he hollers at the cops at the end of the hall, their guest. And then when we, we follow him down to the end of the hall where the other policemen are and another set of doors, I say, well, there's a million people outside, this cop says. Bring them in, bring them in. And... Heads back towards the door. Back towards the door we came in, and there is a cop, a ball-headed cop there, checking people for weapons. I'm like the seventh guy through that door. Uh, And I tell him I don't have any weapons, and he says, go in. He touches me on the shoulder, on the back there, on the shoulder, and says, go in, go out. And I say, no metal, no metal. Uh, thank you, sir. And then I, like an idiot, start yelling, we love you to the cops. Uh, yell it three times. One well, we did. We do love. Well, I, 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 well Stacy. We love you to the cops. Yeah. They let me in. Yeah. Well, I think that there's nothing wrong with that. I the, the distinction has to be made. We still love police enforcement. We love men that love the country with us, let men and women who are loyal. We don't love policemen who then turn on their own people or start beating them for no reason. And that's what we saw on that day. 
So, Stacey, let's move it along a little bit. Did you? What did you do inside? Can you make it short for me and just tell us quickly what you did inside the building? I was in the Capitol, and I've never been in the Capitol. So whenever I walked into the rotunda, it took my breath away. Yeah. I had to sit down. I had to sit down. Yes. And uh, no sooner did I sit down, and someone came up, uh, like FBI informant type guy, asking me, it's on tape, to go with him to Nancy Pelosi's and trash Nancy Pelosi's office. I told that guy, oh, really, where? And I stood up, and right through here, I turned turned my back to him, said, right through here. And I just walked dead dead away from him, you know, and someone else, some on someone else's video, you can see me walking away from him and him walking away from me. He turned and went the other way also. So you think that, that, that the inference there is that that was a, someone was encouraged to do that too because, yeah, because that happened. You know, they did happen, but it wasn't you. So how long was it before then you were arrested or charged? And did they arrest you? Or in how did that happen in Texas? Did they come after you in your hometown, put you in jail there? What what happened after that? Well, I called them on on the twelfth, and I left a message with them. I called them uh, on the twelfth and like the thirteenth, both, and uh, said, you know, they were asking for trips, so I called in and told them to call me back. But I called the Dallas office. Instead of the Austin office, because of difference of the way they have it set up, I'm under the Austin. I didn't really trust the Austin FBI. I didn't trust the Dallas FBI, but I figured they would be better than Austin. So anyway, I called them up, and they never called me back. Instead, they SWAT team my house, my house on uh, in May. I just happened to be out of the town, out of town that day, at the birth of my first grandchild. So God has been had His hand in all of this, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yes, Stacy. Uh, all right, so Stacy, let me ask you that. Let me go back to Daniel just for a second. Also, hold on, uh, Daniel. Uh, Stacy was earlier talking about the election and all the things that he saw, and I, I would imagine you would echo the same thing. And you, I believe were pressured to recant your understanding of what happened on January the 6th during your trial. Can you tell us about that and about how you responded? Um, Well, I didn't have a trial. What I had was a a plea uh, hearing and a sentencing hearing. Okay. Um, uh, You know, the, the judge didn't really ask me about that. He went on his own spiel about that. Um, and he basically accused me of misinformation for going on Tucker Carlson's show. So that might be what you're referring to. But, um, you know, I also uh, mentioned that the people who died that day were the Trump supporters, the protesters. Oh, that's uh, it. Yeah. And not the police. Yeah. And, um, you know, he basically said that they deserved it. And I was just saying, Ashley Babbitt did nothing wrong. And I said the names of each one, that they did nothing wrong. I'm surprised that he did not, because your your judge was Je- Reggie Walton, which I'll just say uh, has uh, also been very, very harsh and, and unreasonable. 
I'm surprised that he uh, didn't punish you more for not refusing to back down on that, but you did refuse. And so you got sentenced. Um, and I don't think I've had a chance to ask you yet how your, how your time, you know, the, the treatment in the D.C. Gulag is legendary. We all know about this. In fact, there's more information coming out about it now. Uh, but how was your treatment in the prison that you were sentenced to? So um, I did my time in uh, FCI Bastrop near Austin, Texas, and uh, the treatment in there was just normal. It was fine. I had no issue with the treatment. Now, the time itself, I would say zero out of five stars, would not recommend not going back. Very bland food, very boring time, but uh, it was low security. I didn't feel any risk of danger, and uh, they might not admit it to you, but Everyone there is basically pro-Trump, uh, with the exception of maybe the warden, who I never really interacted with. So, Daniel, uh, while you were there, I understand that uh, your mom, your mother, I know your mother, so she told me that uh, you were doing Bible study in, like, the commons area, teaching the end times. So how, what kind of response? Did you find other believers in, in the prison? Yeah, there was a, you know, a small group of Christians uh, when I first got there, I was put in one building, one unit, and then a little later they moved me to another one. So in, when I was in the first building, uh, you know, we were doing a little bit of Bible study there. And uh, outside of that uh, was just at the the official, like, chapel times. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to go back to Stacy because, Stacy, I would like to know, uh, were you asked uh, any time during your, your hearing, your trial, whatever it is that you had, uh, were you asked to deny, recant, or, you know, you know how they've done some, early on, they actually made people go through, like, re-education. They were just making them deny what they believed. Have you experienced that? No, ma'am, I have not. Um, the only thing, I, I did have a bill offered to me, uh, which I could have just got a parading charge, and they had worded the plea agreement that I had to say that I did not have permission to go into the building. Well, I have it on videotape, giving me permission. So I couldn't do that, and I couldn't do it anyway because it would be like slapping God in the face, So, especially after he's the one who told me to go and then to lie. I just couldn't do that. I was even told checking that myself. I said it would be akin to me slapping God in the face, and I can't do that. No and way. so the and so the judge. Are you saying this to the judge, Judge Chutkin? Yes, yes, ma'am. Yeah, sure did. Uh, she couldn't take. She couldn't accept the plea, so off to trial we went. Based on that, they did not accept your plea. So you you paid a price for not doing that, for not agreeing to that. So, um, how did you feel, Stacy? You've been. Were you? What was the arrangement after you were arrested? Have you been free, um, or have you been incarcerated, or what's what have you been doing? In May of uh, 21, uh, 21, they came and SWAT team the house and the whole nine yards. I wasn't there. I was at my granddaughter's first. So when I got back, I, of course, copied everything that was on my phone because they said they had to have my phone and not to delete anything off of it. Well, I didn't delete anything. I just 
copied everything. That's the reason why I have the video. And I called the FBI up, the same guy who called me that morning and said, come out with your hands high. I called him back and said on the very next day, which was Tuesday, said, um, no, I drove back on Tuesday. I called him on Wednesday and said, uh, how do you want me to uh, turn myself in? And so he set it up, and Thursday morning I went down and turned myself over to some Waco FBI, regular FBI, real good people, uh, the good people FBI. And um, uh, turned myself in. So, so were you they, put in jail, uh, or would you put on home confinement or jail, or what? What happened after that? Just briefly, if you can, please. I was in jail for a number of days. Got out of my own recognizance. It was uh, I didn't have to pay anything to get out. Um, they booked me down at. Uh, the uh, federal building in Waco, while the uh, U.S. Marshals were waiting to process me, yeah. I was in the holding tank. Singing, uh, God bless America. Uh, um, what is it? Lee Greenwood. Oh, proud to be an American. <laughs> yeah. Well, Stacy. All right. So, Daniel, you were not so lucky as to be near Waco, Texas, because you guys are from Colorado, right? No, no, we're in Texas. Yeah, I'm closer to the Dallas area, and uh, they put me in Fannin County, so that's where I spent 21 days. And they had me under, I guess, what they would call, quote, COVID quarantine, but uh, I would just call solitary confinement for that 21-day period. So that was awful. That was basically torture. Yeah. And I didn't know how long I was going to be in there. I thought perhaps for the rest of my life I'd be in there. Like a new communist takeover just happened, and it's over for America. Oh, thank hey, God that I'm didn't happen. Again. Yeah, Stacy, where are you going to be? You have to report soon. And when? How, well, how many days left of freedom? And where do you have to report? The 12th uh, of this month, September. And mm-hmm. it's going to be south of uh, Dallas at Siegelville. Do you have family, like a wife and children, that uh, you're being separated from? Yes. I'm so sorry, Stacy. And uh, I, Daniel, do you have any word for Stacy? Uh, you both are strong. You're both strong men. Do you have any advice or word for him as he gets ready to uh, uh, to surrender his freedom? Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, when I was in there, I spent most of my time uh, reading the Bible. And, uh, you know, we had um, patriots writing mail. And uh, so uh, make sure you have a phone number memorized so you can call out and get contacts with the outside world. Uh, you know, I was the, when I wasn't um, reading the Bible, I was doing uh, writing, reading and writing letters. Do you, you know. Daniel, your mom runs PatriotMailProject.com. It is do, can do letters that people like my listeners uh, have been sending mail to guys in prison and the D.C. jail and others. Uh, do those come then to you in the regular prison? If I give that address, do you know? Right. So, yeah, so the, the address to write, Stacy will, will be on patriotmailproject.com slash list and okay. with the inmate number, and you have to put that in. If you would like to contact Stacy, remember he's going to go in on September the 12th. If you'd like to write to him, go to patriotmailproject.com, patriotmailproject.com. 
Com. So many of you have done this, and you've been a lifeline for these guys. And if you could be a lifeline for Stacy right now, uh, I, I think uh, I know, Stacy. I'm speaking for you, but I'm sure you would appreciate that to know that people care for you, care for your family, are praying for them. That's the whole idea here. <clears throat> Since we can't seem to break you out of jail, and I'm saying that metaphorically for anyone listening, uh, we can't get you out of jail, and we can't stop this horrible stuff from happening. happening. We can at least... Uh, join partners with the God that some of us serve uh, to make something really good out of this. And I do believe that God does not waste trouble. I've had enough of it in my own life to know he does not waste trouble. He doesn't waste sorrow. He doesn't waste uh, isolation. He doesn't waste trauma, disease, uh, death in our lives. Uh, He doesn't waste it. And so let's not let him, let's not uh, let this go to waste this time apart for Stacy from his family and to pray that he is protected and that he grows uh, as a man, and it's never too late to grow and get better, uh, as Daniel can tell you, mm-hmm. and I can tell you, I'm not a man. I won't grow as a man, but growing as a woman. But uh, Stacy Hager, we wish you all the best. Is there one final thing you would like to say? Well, of course I would love letters. Uh, people need to stand up. What they do to me today, they do to you tomorrow. If they don't do it to you, they're going to do it to somebody you love. That's a good way to end. It's a great warning. Uh, Daniel, any final word from you? Stacy Hager, S-T-A-C-Y-H-A-G-E-R, has a video, Capital Entry and the Rotunda, on YouTube. And that's uh, 2 minutes and 44 seconds from December 30, 2022. You can watch that. Um, okay. And I myself have my uh, footage all out there. Daniel Goodwin, January 6th, Supercut. You should be able to find that on Rumble or whatever. Go to danielgoodwin.com. And, uh, you know, to support January Sixers, I always tell people to go to stophate.com slash J6. And, uh, you know, we've got the documentaries we worked on, and we're coming out with a new one very soon. Okay, that's great. That's great information. And actually, we'll put that on our Facebook page uh, so that we can, people can, excuse me, reference it, because that's a lot to take. Before you guys go, uh, please, could I pray for both of you? Can I do that? Father, first let me pray for Daniel. He's just gotten out of uh, uh, prison, and he has a life ahead of him. He's been stopped and stalled, uh, but his faith has remained steadfast. In spite of the discouragement, I pray that you would restore the years the locusts have eaten, as you have so often in Scripture. I pray that for him. I pray that for his mom and for their family, that you would restore them in every way. I pray for Stacy. I, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, um, help him fill in the blanks on that higher power so that he knows that it's you, uh, the one true God, and just fill him, Lord, with a strength and grow him as a man better than he's ever been. And I pray that you take him back to his family to stand tall and uh, be the man you've always called him to be and face his future with optimism and hope and strength. Lord, how we need your help. We are not fooled. We know that uh, times are going to we think are going to get even worse. So give us the strength and the courage to face what the future holds. Uh, And in the meanwhile, we want you to know that we trust you. And I just say that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, there's a lot to say about J6, and I try try to bring as much as I can to you as I can. You remember that guy that Ray Epps whispered to right before the barricades came down? We see it over and over again. Ray Epps is the guy who is the mysterious guy who's urging people to go to the Capitol with a bullhorn, and even the night before is urging people to go to the Capitol. It's just strange. We've never figured out quite who he is. Or Ryan Samsel 
is the guy he whispered to who then immediately pulled down the first barricade. Well, Gateway Pundit did an article about Ryan showing pictures of him held in solitary confinement. It's just horrific what they're showing here. The cell was the size of a closet with a light on all of the time and had a thin blue mattress, no sheets or blankets, no clothing, and he was kept there for five months straight with a blue bucket to do what he needed to do privately. Uh, That's just part of the story. It's a horrible story. You know, we are in the business of life here, saving lives. And it's not uh, just the J6ers. Of course I'm concerned about their lives. I can hardly bear the way they've been treated. They've been beaten. Some have been ha- had medical attention withheld. I don't think we've even begun to hear the stories that they're going to tell in time. Uh, but we also are about the business then of the lives of young babies in their mother's wombs who get worse treatment than the J6ers because their lives are terminated, their bodies torn apart. It's a horrendous procedure, abortion. There's nothing nice about it. There's nothing kind about it. And so preborn is in the urgent business of trying to stop moms from allowing that to happen to their babies. And they do that through presenting ultrasounds so that the moms can determine it's really a baby, it's really my baby, and it's a girl, it's a boy, it's sucking its thumb. They've been doing this for a very long time, and we've been helping them for a very long time, and your help is really saving lives. I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. Uh, So if you have not gotten around to donate, it's $28 for each ultrasound. Go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy, and make your most generous contribution. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. Today, Donald Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, testifying in his own high-stakes hearing to move his Georgia racketeering case from state to federal court. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis has accused Meadows of taking part in a sweeping conspiracy to overturn the 2020 presidential election results in the state. Meadows' lawyers argue he was only carrying out duties directly related to that role as Trump's top aide, including setting up the phone call between Trump and Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger following Trump's election loss. Mr. President, now I'll turn it over to you. On that call, Trump is heard asking Raffensperger to find the exact number of votes needed to overturn Joe Biden's victory. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. The DA subpoenaed Raffensperger and other witnesses to make her case that Meadows violated the Hatch Act, which bars federal employees from using their official roles to engage in partisan political activity. And I think if you look at it, it was most likely that he was operating as a part of the Republican Party which would be a political role and not his official role as the chief of staff. At least four other defendants are also seeking to move their case to federal court. What Mr. Meadows is trying to do is get to a much more favorable jury pool, a a jury pool that would be much more likely to acquit him at trial. Meadows' hearing marks the first major indicator of how the case could proceed for the other 18 defendants. So Mark Meadows is former Congressman Mark Meadows. He was the chairman of the Freedom Caucus. Uh, He was the chief of staff for President Donald Trump. His crime in this, uh, if you ever get to hear the full exchange, he sets up the phone call and he basically asks the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, 
if we can come to some agreement, if we can work together, if we can share information, something as innocuous as that is that. And now Mark Meadows is being charged under the RICO statute for soliciting an official to violate his oath of office. It's amazing, and we're going to be hearing more about that. And, of course, that's related to J6. How? It's related to J6 because the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people who went to Washington on that day went because they were upset about what happened in the 2020 election. I've asked my husband, my sweetheart, Bruce, to join me uh, for a discussion of this. Uh, Bruce, um, I want to ask you, I'm gonna, we talked just a few minutes ago uh, to Stacey Hager, whose judge on his particular hearing was Tanya Chutkin. Uh, she's an Obama appointee, and she's the one who has now set President Trump's trial date for the eve of Super Tuesday, just one of four trials he has to go through. What do we know about her? Anything further? Judge Chukin is an appointment of former President Barack Obama. She sits on the D.C. Uh, appeals or trial court. And th- there is so much to suggest that she is biased against Donald Trump. Words from her own mouth. Words when she sentenced other people that were charged on January 6th, saying that, you know, the reason you're here is because of Donald Trump. He's free, and you're going to jail because of him. Uh, she, she has huge ties to the Democratic Party. She's donated to them. She was a partner in the same law firm, Boy Schiller Flexner, that Hunter Biden worked at. <laughs> and they were there at the same time. Um, so she's I, real objective? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they talk about election interference. The election interference is from the government, from the judge to the prosecutors to the investigators to the jailers. Everyone involved in this process on the government side, to me, are the ones that have had a big conspiracy. From letting the people into the Capitol on January 6th, uh, the Capitol Police, from Nancy Pelosi not having adequate security at the Capitol on January 6th, even when President, at that time, President Trump offered to um, activate the National Guard, uh, from the way they've charged these people. And, and you'll, you hear the people that were interviewed today, uh, Mr. Hager, Mr. Goodwin, do they sound like terrorists to you? Do they sound like people that want to overthrow this country? They're people, you know, they're ordinary people from what D.C. types call flyover country, Texas. Uh, They're patriotic, and the um, definition of patriotic to Mr. Hager and Mr. Goodwin is a lot different than what it is to most politicians in D.C., that's uh, for sure. It's yeah. a it's like equates to uh, um, insurrectionist. You know, I remember when that began to cha- began to change, Bruce. Uh, when I went back to Chicago after leaving uh, D.C. the first time, I took a job and was hosting a big uh, a, a commemoration of nine eleven, and we did it in a church. And one of the church members uh, wrote and complained, and said that I was jingoistic. You know what that jingoistic? I'd never heard that before. I had to look it up. What am I? And that's someone who loves their country. Just it's just irritating. They're just too. They love their country too much. And that is the the view, really. They, even if they don't use that word, that is the view of Washington toward us. They have no connection, no love for it. In fact, they want to destroy it. They want to destroy the Constitution. And you know, I'm not overstating it. None of you listening to me believe that's an overstatement. Yeah. 
And if you want to get down on the weeds a little bit on this Mark Meadows matter, um, the charges in a state prosecution are listing a violation of the Hatch Act. The Hatch Act only applies to federal employees and whether or not they are conducting political activity while they're on the payroll and actually at work as a government employee. I had to, I had to adhere to it. A state court has no reason to have any jurisdiction here. Also, you hear that uh, Mark Meadows has been charged with solicitation. Solicitation requires that something be offered. It's not just, hey, would you take a phone call because we want to talk about the election? Solicitation would be, we want you to do something that you shouldn't be doing or we'll pay you to do something. There was no solicitation here at all. President Trump makes a request. Can you find any of these uh, bad ballots? He's not asking Raffensperger to create or fraudulent uh, make fraudulent votes. He's just asking, can we go back through these ballots that look like they were illegally cast and see if we have enough bad ballots to throw out the uh, election result yeah. and and take out Biden as the winner and now have Trump as the winner. It's it, He's asking Raffensperger to do his job. Yeah, and interesting, Raffensperger's response to that, not to that question, but in general, the president and his team, Cleta Mitchell and the others, were asking for to them to look into Fulton County, which was where the problem was. And they would not give them Fulton County. They gave them DeKalb County. That was the one that they said they would do an audit in. Uh, so that is how the game was played, and now it's being twisted. Uh, you can see that we are in a time uh, where there's just no no justice and no fairness. But I think truth is ever more important. Truth still has power, and that's why we're spending time speaking the truth to you. Honey, thank you for your, uh, your input today. I want to, before I say goodbye today, thank my sponsors, Preborn. Preborn Network Clinics have rescued, with your help, over 200,000 babies from abortion. And every day, every single day, they save 200 babies' lives. But they can't do it without your help. They can't do it without mine if I'm not the spokesperson. And I'm more than willing. I love what they do. I really believe in it. You go to preborn.com slash Sandy, preborn.com slash Sandy to make a donation. And I want to thank, again, Christian Healthcare Ministries, also a sponsor. It's the longest-serving health care cost sharing ministry. It's been around for over 40 years, and it helps Christians pay and pray for one another's medical bills. Make the switch today and start saving. You just have to visit chministries.org. That's chministries.org, and tell them that Sandy Rios sent you. If you want to call, you know where you can call us. Can you say it with me? 662-821-2040. Or write us at sandy at afr.net. That's sandy at afr.net. Facebook, Sandy Rios 24-7. You can listen at afr.net or any podcast platform or at sandyrios.com. How's that? Did I get it all in? I think I did. Hey, thanks for listening to today's version of Sandy Rios 24-7.